shelters and shouting on the Upper West Side and pushing back, back to school. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. My broadcast partner, Ben Max, is off again this week. The other big news this week, as I mentioned up at the top, was the change to the uh, plan for New York City schools. This had been a topic of concern for many months. It had gotten very tense. Threats of a strike by the union. Uh, the public advocate for New York City, Jumani Williams, backing the threats uh, for a strike because of concerns about safety. And uh, this week, the mayor, or yesterday, the mayor uh, and his counterpart, and the union, Michael Mulgrew, uh, agreed to push back what was supposed to be the September 10th opening of school will be pushed back. Um, teachers will still report on the 8th, but instead of having a couple of days, they will have nine days to prepare for their first day of school, which will be September 16th, which will be online only. And they'll be talking to students teaching online and also orienting students to what it will be like uh, to be back at school, what kind of protocols would be in place, and then in-person school on the hybrid model with you know limited attendance every day and kids switching on and off in terms of whether they are or aren't in school would be done on the 21st of September. Random testing on a monthly basis uh, overseen by health officials of students in each school is also supposed to be part of this plan. Uh, we want to know what this plan means for parents and teachers and how much it resolves some of the fears that were articulated. And so I'm very glad to be joined by Asami Yadiabi, who is the New York City Campaign's organizer for the Alliance for Quality Education. Asami, welcome to WBAI. Hello. Thank you for having me. So for those who do not know of it, and I suspect many of our listeners do, Tell us just a little bit about the Alliance for Quality Education. What is it and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, so the Alliance for Quality Education was founded uh, about 20 years ago. We're celebrating our 20th birthday this year. Um, and it was it started out as an organizing body to organize around this lawsuit um, where a parent, Robert Jackson, was suing the state of New York um, on the basis that he felt that his children were not being we're not getting an equitable education. And so AQE was founded to kind of organize parents and to build power around that lawsuit. And so the lawsuit was settled in about 2007, and the highest courts found that um, New York State was in fact violating um, students' constitutional right to a sound basic education. And so um, despite the um, lawsuit being settled at that time, um, we know that the fight was not over. So AQE formed, um, and, was, and it was a coalition of organizations across the state. So Citizen Action, Make the Road, and YCC. These are some of our organized, um, our coalition partners. And so we organize around education justice and racial justice because we know the two um, cannot be separated. And when we look at the ways that the inequities um, manifest across the state, it's typically um, negatively impacting black and brown low-income districts. And so AQE, again, is a statewide organization. We organize around a number of issues, um, mainly full funding for public schools, um, police-free schools, culturally responsive education, universal pre-K, um, and things of that nature. So take me back to, we're going to talk about what the mayor announced yesterday with the U of T president and uh, Chancellor Carranza, but take me back to, to last week, to earlier this week, when school was still scheduled to begin September 10th. Um, there were a lot of different uh, fears raised by a lot of different people. 
what were you at AQE and your members, what were you guys concerned about? Yeah, so we were definitely concerned, as we've been concerned since the, um, the beginning of the pandemic, that our schools um, don't have enough to educate students and to meet the needs of their school communities in this moment. And so what that looks like is that um, students with disabilities, students who are English language learners, students from low-income communities are literally falling through the cracks and being left behind. And not only that, right, because we know that academic performance is not um, the biggest priority in this moment, that their lives are being put in danger. And so um, they're up to reopen schools next week on, on the 10th. We knew that was not possible, and we knew that to do so was to be put, putting the lives of students and teachers and school communities in danger. And so we were giving up and we stood in solidarity with the teachers in their call for a strike because we knew our city was not ready. And we knew that what was happening locally here in New York City was just a manifestation of um, neglect from the state government. The governor cut um, the budgets in April. So our schools were operating with less money in the middle of a pandemic. And then recently he withheld funding um, to to our schools by 20%. So we just knew that with all of these factors to open schools next week and to expect teachers and parents and students to get ready for that, it would be just negligent and it will actually be deadly. And so we were calling for a delayed reopening. We know our schools weren't ready um, and they're still not, to be quite frank. Yeah, so let's talk about what was announced yesterday. The mayor pushing back the first day from the 10th to the 16th and pushing back the first in-person day to the 21st. Um, this apparently has thwarted the potential threat of a strike. Um, so apparently it satisfies the UFT. Does it satisfy you? Absolutely not. And um, to be clear, we've been speaking with particularly the more caucus of the UFT, the movement of rank and file educators. It doesn't satisfy UFT members. It satisfies um, Mogul satisfies, satisfies the mayor, maybe, um, but it does not satisfy um, teachers who actually have to go into the building and teach students. And so this is definitely not a win in any sense of the word. Yeah. Well, how does it how does it fall short? What's what's wrong with it? I mean, they are going to uh, give the teachers extra time to prepare, prepare their students. There will be testing. Um, what does this deal have that that or what does this deal not have that you think New York City teachers and students need? Yeah, I mean, for example, um, delaying reopening by 10 days without calling for funding um, so that schools can adequately meet the needs in this moment, there's nothing. Like folks have been saying that this is just kicking the can down the road. It just pushes the, uh, the reopening day a little bit further without providing any of the resources needed to do this right. And then also, um, this random figure of testing 10 to 20 percent of the student population that's 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 so far from adequate and also um what the the teachers and the communities have been asking for was reopen when we've had 14 days of no new cases to reopen schools that we've seen all across the country in georgia and florida and all of these places they reopened schools um, prematurely and the cases just went right up and we know that that is just the fate that lies um if we open schools 10 days later or whatever days later um and yeah back to this idea of funding 
schools have already started to make cuts. Um, they've lost paraprofessionals. They've lost um, occupational therapists. They've lost like our teachers and all of these other folks. That um, doesn't that shortfall doesn't go away just by pushing the date back a little bit further. And also, mm-hmm. folks have been calling out just like the institutional like misogyny I play where like men are going into rooms making decisions without actually coming to the table and talking with folks and actually um, finding something that works for all people. So this was like bare minimum and in, in no way shape or form does it address the majority of problems that folks are, are bringing attention to in this moment. I know one thing that people have talked about is you know the city's threshold is 3%. Once the, the idea is that so long as the uh, percentage of people who are tested in the city on a particular day um, stays below 3%, it's it's deemed safe for schools to operate. And, of course, the, the point some people have made is that while the city's over, overall rate, I think, is at like 1.3 or something now, um, that there are neighborhoods where it is higher. And so you have mm-hmm. you have some neighborhoods where there is still a significant, a relatively significant uh, high, high prevalence of virus. Um, is that a concern for you too, sort of disparities in terms of how the virus is affecting the city? Most definitely. We've been working with a teacher in the Bronx, um, in the region that he's in, the rates are about like 4%. And even from the very beginning when folks were throwing around this 3% number, we know 3% was still too high. Like, ultimately what that translates to is like, we'll sacrifice 3% of us because the 97% of us will be fine and that's still too high. We don't want to play um, Russian roulette with our children's lives, with our teachers' lives, with our paraprofessionals. Nobody's life is worth um, losing. And so any of these numbers, unless we have zero new cases, it's still too risky because one life, losing one life is one life too too many. And so, yeah, that definitely is a problem for us and we don't, it never felt good and we were never supporting the 3% threshold mm-hmm. do you think teachers and parents i mean speaking largely it's a huge system it's you know eighty thousand teachers and obviously there's a lot of other staff and nearly a million students but do you think teachers and parents want the same thing here because it seems to me that teachers have been more vocal maybe just because they have more access to amplify their voice, but they've been more vocal about their concerns about returning to the classroom, whereas I think you'll see parents kind of divided. Some are concerned, some desperately want their kids back at in-person school. Is everyone on the same page? I appreciate that question because everyone is not on the same page, actually. This pandemic has impacted all of us in very different ways. I know for a fact my mom was really upset that they delayed reopening because as a essential worker, she doesn't have childcare for my brother who has an IEP and needs to be in school. So while teachers and folks have been pushing for delayed reopening, other folks are like, you know, I can't afford to take off from work to stay home with my kids when they're out of school. So we know that folks want different things and all in all, we can't rush to make decisions because a one-size model is not going to work for parents in New York City, it's not going to work for parents anywhere. It's not going to work for communities anywhere. And I think this just shows, once again, that we're not ready 
to make any decision because there's so many factors to take into consideration. And as we saw in March, when um, the decision to like close schools and go fully remote, it might only be impacted people all across the board. And we're, we're going to make those mistakes again and even more so if we just botch this reopening and just rush to make plans while taking into consideration all of the factors at play. This is purely, I'm calling for speculation on your part. Just curious what you think since you follow this day to day and I don't. Why do you think the mayor is so intent on starting school? He obviously was reluctant to close schools and then he did. And and then he actually was pretty quick to, to announce that they'd be closed for the duration quicker than the governor was. But he has been very hell bent on getting schools started on time. Do you think, do you credit him to some degree for, for his, some of his motivations to do that? Or do you think there's some nefarious reason? Like, why is Bill de Blasio so intent on getting New York City kids back to school in September, if possible? Honestly, I, I'm not sure. Because we can say that um, he's concerned about students um, being at home with nothing to do, XYZ. Um but there, like, it's just like these, the mayor is making like these blanket statements without any like backing behind it, right? Like, for example, when he was throwing out this idea that we're going to be doing outdoor learning without any support, like, it's nothing that is happening right now is making any type of sense to me. Um, and I know for a fact it's not because he's in communication with folks um, on the ground, because if he was, he would not um, be making these decisions in the way that he's doing. So I really am very. I'm sure I don't understand what his motivations are. They seem really confusing, but I know it's not because of the well-being of our schools, because this is the same mayor who passed a budget where our schools almost lost a billion dollars, right? While folks are in the street calling for defund NYPD and um, taking a billion from NYPD's budget, they took a billion dollars from our schools. So I know that it's not because he has our best interests at heart. So I really don't know what the reasoning is. And I know that whatever his justification is, is it falls short um, because he's putting a lot of lives at risk and he's making things extremely difficult for folks. So whether it, I mean, obviously right now we think schools will open up to some degree in person on September 24th, but first, but obviously that could change. I mean, it's all subject to change. Mm-hmm. But what we know is that to some degree, a million New York City school st- children are going to be doing at least some online learning this fall. I know some schools have gone to online only for the beginning of the year, at least, and it's possible schools will return to online learning if the virus counts go up, which hopefully they won't. But one way or another, online learning is going to be part of the, the picture in the fall. Based on the lessons you, you saw in the spring and understanding that you know the state and the feds may not come through with more money for the schools, what are ways that you think the city can practically make online learning work better? Is there a way to make it work better? Yeah, I think um, definitely when it comes to online learning, we need to prioritize um, students with um, special needs, students who are English language learners, students um, who just don't have resources, students who are um, housing unstable, and those are the students who need to be in school buildings. They need to have that one-to-one connection. They need to be in um, spaces with like folks who can help them in real life. So for the students who may have higher, who may have um, access to resources, who may have stable connection and um, 
resources at home, those like older students, for example, like those students maybe the ones who um they're pushing to do remote learning, whereas the students who need the additional support, like making whatever um adjustments needed to um bring them back into the building in a safe way. But we also know that even for students who who may not have special needs, who may have access to computers or Wi Fi and all of that, remote learning also was not the best experience for them. And so overall we know that um this is going to be a hard moment for everyone, but we know for a fact that there's some students who remote learning one hundred percent does not work. And we need to stop trying to make it work for them and actually follow the models that work, which is in-person, one-to-one connections in a school building or in some other um, setting. And final question for Osama Diaby of the Alliance for Quality Education. You know, in the midst of this crisis, uh, Governor Cuomo made some noises about maybe seizing some opportunity from the crisis and, and taking a chance to reimagine Education, with the implication, I think, that maybe we would move away from in-person schooling on a more permanent basis. At least that was one possibility. Um, what do you think about that? And do, First of all, do you think that that, that that has any legs, practically? And do you think that there is uh, a, a hope for or a danger that there'll be some lessons learned here that will change how education is done for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, I think... All of the governor's talk to reimagine education um, should not be taken lightly, that that is a major red flag for those of us who um, value public education as a, as a public good for all students. Um, we know that for a very long time, the governor has been hell-bent on privatizing education, um, takes a lot of charter money, and is in bed with a lot of folks who want to privatize and um benefit off of our education system. So when Governor Cuomo was talking about reimagining schools, we know what that meant. That was a signal that he is trying to like sell our education system, our public education system, to the highest bidder. And so we cannot allow Governor Cuomo to sit around and try to undervalue um, and underestimate the power of like public education as it is currently. Of course, we can make tons of um, shifts and improvements to our education system, but Shifting from like in-person learning to remote learning, we know that that doesn't work. And so the governor in those calls to reimagine schools and to take lessons from this moment, that means, again, that he does not value the education of our students and that he's just trying to make a profit because we know it doesn't work. And we know it's whatever type of technological um, component that is added to learning, it would never um, replace the benefit of working one-to-one, having that human connection. And so for, for all folks, when Governor Cuomo talks about reimagining schools and talks about taking lessons from this moment, that's a red flag. And that, that is just like a dog whistle. That, that shows us that he is trying to like continue his um, plans of privatizing our education system and benefiting off of it. So we stand against that. HUE released a number of statements once we heard about that, we took tons of actions to make it clear that, that we can't allow that to happen. Yeah. So actually, one more question, which is if let's say you're listening, you're a parent who is concerned about reimagining schools or concerned about restarting schools in the next few weeks and you want to get involved in this. What would you suggest? How can parents make a difference? Um, so we have a number of actions taking place next week, folks. 
Um, if they're able and willing, they can join us out in the streets. They can follow us on um, underscore NY for just some like day-to-day actions. We need folks to call their representatives. We need them um, to tap into their state senators and assembly members and to urge them to fight against um, the governor's actions. We can't allow him to make 20% cuts. And we also need folks to urge their um, reps to sign on to revenue bills. We have a bill currently, um, S737A, Robert Jackson's bill, which will, um, which calls for like a very minimal tax on the ultra wealthy that would generate close to $5 billion for education alone. And so we need folks to take action in this way. We need, our, we need um, our legislators to know that their constituents support them because we know that folks um, face repercussions and repression when they stand up to the government and we want them to know that we support them. But we need them to fight against the governor because the governor is not here for public education as it is. Well, Asami Adiyabi, the New York City Campaign's organizer for the Alliance for Quality Education, AQE, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all so much. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.